Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us here together today. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd have your way. Thank you for every person, every soul represented here today, every person watching online. Thank you for your love, Lord God. There's nothing we did to earn your love, but we thank you for the gift of Jesus that we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence because of what you've done, Jesus, on the cross. Lord, we never want to take that for granted. You've made a way where there was no way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Thanks, guys. Having a praise party this morning. How good was the worship? Looking forward to tonight. Well, the title of my, me- my message this morning is Come Alive. Are you alive this morning? Woohoo! <laughs> I'm feeling alive. Steve and I just had a couple of days in Pearl Beach. I keep wanting to say Pearl Harbor. That's somewhere completely different. You didn't take me to Hawaii, Steve. Uh, we've been married for 32 years. Yes, Steve is actually that old. We were married on the 29th of February, 92. So that's a palindrome for all the mathematical geeks out there. 29292. If you, don't want, if you don't know what a palindrome is, probably doesn't matter. Speaking of marriage, I'd just like to encourage you, if you haven't registered, do consider coming to the marriage course. There are a few things that are more worthy of putting time into than your marriage if you're married, right? Uh, healthy things grow, but they require our attention and our nurture. So we're really looking forward to hosting it. So it's not too late, you can still register. So are you ready for the word? Good. So it was the winter of 1989. I know some of you weren't alive then. Who was alive in 1989? Whoa, look at all these people. And the last 12 months for me had been a very tumultuous time in the lead up to this season. It started when I resigned from my job as a graphic designer uh, in an art department of a printery in the city. And uh, my flatmate wasn't very happy with me because I didn't have another job to go to. And then somewhere in that uh, murky, tumultuous year, on the way to a job interview, um, a guy came out of the Macquarie Centre car park and T-boned my Toyota Corona and rode it off. It was my first car, honey, RIP, honey. And then in that same year, I broke up with my boyfriend, not Steve, I hadn't seen the light yet. And I discovered that broken relationships can tear out a part of your heart. If anyone's been through that, you know how that feels. So now I have no car, no boyfriend, no stable job. So I feel like I have nothing. It's as if God had stripped all that stuff away. Here's the thing. Even if I had those things, if I didn't have Jesus, I still had nothing, right? I love what Corrie Ten Boom says. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. So true, isn't it? So actually, it was the perfect time for me to meet Jesus personally. I felt like I had nothing. Here's the thing, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's one of those weird sort of upside-down principles. Jesus says in John 15, 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. So at that season in my life, I wasn't alive to the things of God. I was kind of going in my own way. 
but I was actually on the journey, praise God. So thankfully one night after that relationship breakup and after all that stuff, a young adult from our church, the church that I was attending at the time, came and presented the gospel to me. And for the first time ever, it actually made sense to me. He actually used the bridge to life illustration. I like pictures as an artie. So for the first time ever, I realised that the pathway to God through Jesus was wide open for me. That was something I'd never known up to that point. I'd always felt that God was like this impossible, like headmaster, impossible to please, that he was a perfectionist, that he was unapproachable, he was distant, judgmental. Let me tell you that my heavenly dad and your heavenly dad is nothing like that. If you think God's like that, he's nothing like that, I can assure you. So all I had to do on that night was simply say yes, yes to Jesus, because he'd done the hard work. In fact, he'd done the impossible work. He had done what I could never do. He had made the way for me to have a relationship with God. Praise God. So what I had to do was repent. And the word repent literally means to change your mind. I had to change my thinking. I was heading in this direction and I did a 180 turn back towards God, back towards a life with God. I was dead to the things of God. I was alive physically. I was 22, the whole world in front of me, and yet spiritually dead to the things of God. And so my friend led me through a prayer of repentance and of accepting Jesus as the only one who could save me. So when we talk about allowing Jesus to be our Lord, what we're really saying is, you're in charge. I mean, I'd been in charge of my life up to that point, making a royal mess of it, really. I needed Jesus, and so do you. And by praying that simple prayer, I realised and recognised that Jesus was the one who died in my place to forgive me for my sin so I could be put back in a right relationship with God. In other words, I acknowledged him as my saviour. And at that point, as Tim's already alluded to, that's when we realise we are fully forgiven. Fully forgiven. Jesus repaired our relationship with God. So in that little apartment in Ashfield, that night I came alive to God. Praise God. I was born again. So we're doing a series right now on Faith Foundations. A couple of weeks ago, Ben preached a brilliant message on the word. If you haven't heard it, you should watch it. And then last week, Anna talked to us about prayer and told us about a story about her encounter with the law. So if you didn't hear about that, check it out. And so today, I want to talk to you about coming alive to God. And so my first point is simply alive to God, born again. Pretty obvious, if you want a relationship with God, you need to be born again. You need to ask Jesus into your heart. So on that night, I started a brand new life. It was like I'd experienced a spiritual makeover. 
and it was the most defining moment in my life. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Did you know when you ask Jesus into your heart, you become a brand new creation? Isn't that amazing? It's just incredible. I felt like that. It was like I got a whole new filter. Forget the Instagram filters. This was far better than that. Literally, everything looked different to me. I began to think differently. Because God changes your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions. I began to think differently about myself, about God and about others. I began to manage my emotions differently with the help of Holy Spirit. Still need help with that. And I began to make different choices. I didn't want to live my life the way I had before. That was because of the work of the Holy Spirit in me. So I want to ask you, can you remember how you felt when you first gave your life to Jesus? Because sometimes it's good just to remember to go back to our first love. For the first time ever, I felt truly connected and valued. I felt deeply loved by God. And the church family that we were in modelled it really well, praise God. For the first time ever, I felt like I had hope, real hope, and a purpose which was bigger than me. You and I have a purpose in our lives, and it's bigger than just us and our lives. And interestingly, when someone finally properly explained the cross to me, for the first time in my life, I felt truly forgiven. For the first time ever. I remember getting a revelation of that at the Black Stump Music an arts festival, anyone old enough to remember that as well? Woo! Uh, John Smith was preaching from the God Squad and I just, it must have just been a Holy Spirit moment. I realised I'm forgiven, really forgiven. So never underestimate, we've already talked about it this morning, the power of the cross. Never underestimate it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.18, this is from the Amplified. For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. So the cross, just like that verse says, had never made sense to me at all. And yet, purely because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, it made sense. And so I realised that the cross was going to save me from myself, from the plan that the enemy had for my life, and, and from the things that were just fully away from God. I remember those first few weeks walking to Ashfield train station, and I literally felt like I was walking on air. Now, that doesn't last forever, that feeling, but wow, it was good because everything was different. I did get a new filter. 
So what does it mean to actually be born again? Well, to be honest, I thought it was some kind of crazy phrase someone had made up to describe people who like to sing kumbaya, play their tambourine, wave their banners around. Now, don't be offended. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's what I thought it was about. But actually, it's something from the Bible. Jesus says it. You probably know the passage in John 3. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus in the cover of darkness, but he's, he's intrigued. Nicodemus is on a journey. He knows that Jesus has come from God because of the signs and wonders and miracles. And Jesus says to him in John 3, 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, this is John 3, 3 in the Amplified, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. So I love the fact that Jesus actually says you need to be born from above. It's a spiritual rebirth. We must allow Holy Spirit to make us alive to God again, to spiritually transform us, to renew us. So what is the significance of being born again? Here's the thing. When we're born again, the life of God comes into your soul. All of us are alive physically. Just shove the person sitting next to you, make sure they're alive. You guys are very polite. I didn't see any shoving. So we all have, yeah, that's better. We're all, we're all physically alive, praise God. But what happens when we're born again is the life of Christ, the life of God comes into the, that person's soul, into their being. So this is what Jesus is explaining here in John 3, 3. The life of God comes into us. So here's the thing, a lot of people think being a Christian means we believe certain things. And it's true, we do hold to certain central truths about Jesus. But it's so much more than that. It's the life of God, the life of Christ coming into my soul, into my being, so that I'm now alive to the things of God. So much more than just believing, hey. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. So it's not just that I believe certain things about Jesus. It's not that he's over here and I'm over there and I believe certain things about him. Instead, it's that the very life of Christ comes into my soul, into my being. I still find that amazing that Jesus lives in us. The saviour of the world lives in us by faith. How incredible. So here's one way of explaining this. Stretch out your arm and your fingers. Take a look at your arm. I want you to imagine that your arm is the vine and the fingers are the branches. So in the same way that your fingers are absolutely intrinsically attached, praise God, to your arm, we by faith are intrinsically attached to Jesus. The life of Christ flows from him to us because we're the branches, he's the vine. 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. So this is a great segue for me into my second point. We're talking right now, what are the foundations that we need as a Christian to set us up well? The first one is, we obviously, we are alive to God. We need to be born again. We, we recognise we need Jesus as our saviour. We invite him into our heart. Alive to God, born again. 1 Peter 1.23, Peter says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So really, that seed that we received when we said yes to Jesus is Jesus himself. He is the imperishable seed for all time. We have the promise if we receive him, we will spend eternity with him, which is pretty cool. So a clear foundation for us, number one, we must be born again, alive to God. And my second thought is this, aligned to Jesus. We need to be aligned with Jesus. He's the vine, we're the branches. As followers of his, we follow his example. So one of the things that Jesus example to us is water baptism. Even though Jesus is God, he chooses when he's on the earth to be water baptised as an example to us. So if Jesus needs to be water baptised, how much more do you and I? It was so important that Jesus uses, um, he explains to the disciples when he reappears after his resurrection that they should go and make disciples and baptise them. It's called, we call it the Great Commission. I'm sure you know it. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus says this. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So let's just take a minute and just talk about water baptism. The what, who and why of water baptism. Is that all right? So the word baptism comes from a Greek word, baptizo. And it means to dip, immerse, plunge or submerge into a substance. So water baptism is by full immersion. The reason we do that that way is mainly because we're actually demonstrating a picture of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we see from the Bible that water baptism is always by total immersion, not by sprinkling, and that's why we do that today. Of course, water baptism is a personal decision. It's something that you and I need to make personally. It doesn't save us. It's a picture of what's already happened in your heart and in your life. It's really an outward expression of what's already taken part in your heart. So I love water baptisms. They're so powerful, aren't they? They're a powerful testimony to what Jesus does in people's lives. And it's powerful for people to stand up in front of friends and family and acknowledge Jesus as their saviour. I think something sacred and often indescribable happens when people are water baptised. It's kind of hard to explain it in words. God does something quite miraculous and sacred. So I'm excited for the water baptisms on Easter Sunday. If you're, if you're interested, if you hadn't been water baptised, then come and talk to one of us. 
We'd love to help you with that. So water baptism is not the same as a baby or infant uh, christening or dedication because it's the decision that we make personally. It's not the decision of our parents. It's something that we personally have made. So that's the what of water baptism. Who should get baptised? Well, everybody, anyone who is a believer. It's, it's for everyone. That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptise them. In Acts 2, we see a mass baptism, about 3,000 people. Remember that description, Acts 2, 14 to 38? It's the first example of the disciples doing what Jesus said to do and baptising the believers. So let's look at why should we be baptised. Well, we've already talked about the first uh, reason. It's a faith step of obedience to God. Jesus did it as an example. He tells us to baptise. That's why we do it. Number one, a faith step. The second reason that we should be baptised is because it's a symbolic act which signifies death to self and our old way of life and the beginning of our new life in Christ. So when we're water baptised, we're identifying with Jesus' death, his burial and his resurrection. So just as Jesus was laid in the tomb and then on the third day he rose again, when a person is water baptised, they are testifying to the fact that they are dead to their old way of life. And as they rise out of the water, they're signifying that they are now alive in Christ, that they're a brand new creation. Water baptism is a celebration of this new life. And then the third reason for water baptism it is, is that it is a public profession of our faith in Jesus Christ. And as I've already said, that's really, really powerful. Here's the thing we need to remember. When we're water baptised, we're not being baptised into a church or a denomination. We're being baptised into Christ. We are now members of his body, part of his family. Amen. So we've talked about being born again, alive to God, aligned with Jesus. One of the ways we can do that is through water baptism. And finally, my third point for today is alert to Holy Spirit. You could say abounding in Holy Spirit, overflowing with Holy Spirit, a bubble with Holy Spirit. I discovered that's actually a word, a bubble. I kind of like that word. It's cool. So let's talk about Holy Spirit for a few minutes. Is that okay? So here's the thing. I received the Holy Spirit. He came and lived in me when I was born again at the age of 22. But it wasn't until several years later that I was actually baptised in the Holy Spirit. So one of the things I love most about God as the creator of the universe, the creator, the most creative one, is that you can't limit God. You can't put God in a box, can you? You can't narrow him down to a formula. We can't melt Holy Spirit down into some nice pie chart. And I reckon if we figured out the formula, I reckon God would change it, don't you? The moment you figure out the formula, I've got you, God. I've got it worked out. He's like, do you? So I'm not here today to tell you the formula for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
But there are certain foundations and principles. I don't think there's a formula because God is creative. He does it his own way. For me, being born again, baptised in the Holy Spirit. And then we came to this church. We realised we hadn't been water baptised. So we were water baptised, Steve and I. The only reason we hadn't been before is because there kind of wasn't an opportunity for it. So that's not according to the formula, but it's the way God did it in our lives. What's funny too is that Steve and I were baptised in the Holy Spirit about the same time, but in different occasions. And neither of us talked to each other about it for several months, which is funny. And I think it's because we had a really good theology on Jesus, on the Gospels, but we didn't really have a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. It was kind of like there were some pieces missing in the puzzle. And so we were both open to it. I was open. I wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I fully knew what that was. But for me, what happened was in the church we were in at the time, uh, the pastor just asked us to stand up uh, if we wanted prayer. And I just really felt I wanted more. You know that feeling? I want more. There's something missing in my life. I want more. So I just stood up. A young woman uh, stood next to me, prayed for me. The, the pastor said, just pray for the people. We didn't actually specify what we were asking for prayer for. She just prayed in the spirit for me and... That night, when I went home, I suddenly felt this overwhelming urge to pray, which wasn't that unusual for me, but I discovered I had this new prayer language, and I was like, okay, it seems to have happened. Praise God. And like most people, I woke up the next morning and I thought, can I still pray in the Spirit? Is that still there? Fortunately, it is. And I've been praying in tongues ever since. Here's the thing, the Bible says when we pray in tongues, we are speaking to God and it edifies us, it builds us up, it encourages us, it strengthens us. You and I need that kind of strengthening. There's a whole world out there that wants to knock you down. But guess what? Holy Spirit will build you up. Hallelujah. The filling with the Holy Spirit gave me a greater intimacy with God. It gave me a different dimension that helped me in every area in my life. And it gave me access to the gifts of the Spirit, which we need every day, not just in here. I actually need the gifts of the Spirit out there, right? Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. I need that stuff out there. And praise God, He gives that to me. The Bible teaches us to continue being filled. Here's the thing. It wasn't just a one-off occasion for me. We need to be filled and ever filled with the Spirit constantly. I need Him every day and every moment of every day. It wasn't a once-for-all experience. I need fresh infillings of the Holy Spirit regularly. We need to continue being filled to live in the fullness of the Spirit in an ongoing way. I love what Joyce Myers says this. She says this, I, just, I don't just want to have the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have me. Anyone else agree with that? Agree with Joycey? I want 
want the Holy Spirit to have me because actually my life belongs to Jesus. I'm not really here for me. I'm here for him and so are you. Ephesians 5.18, let's look at this as we close. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with spirit. So let's just get a bit scholarly just for a few minutes. Is that all right? The ancient Greek grammar to be filled indicates two important things. Number one, the verb is passive. So this means we just receive the action of the verb. We receive the action of being filled. What it means is it's not a manufactured experience. I don't have to try really hard to be filled. I don't have to work it up. We don't even need the keys. We don't need the smoke machine. We just need Holy Spirit. Although the keys is lovely. So the Holy Spirit is the one who does the filling. All we need to do is receive. And the second part of this verb that I wanted to talk to you about is the verb for be filled is imperative. So Paul says here, this is not an optional experience. This is not just optional extra for some. This is available to every believer. And every believer should be filled with the Spirit. This is for everyone. He urges us to be filled with the Spirit. So let's just talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we close. And I've got 42 seconds. Pray for me. So when Jesus went back to heaven, he promised the Holy Spirit. You know the scriptures. He told the disciples to wait and to pray and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4-5. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then if we jump down to verse 8, Jesus says, watch this, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. The Greek word is dunamis, and it's the word that we get the word dynamite from. So it's dynamite power. You will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So then if we go to Acts 2.4, reading from the Amplified. So on the day of Pentecost, most of us know what happened. The believers were all together in one place. I love this uh, translation. And they were all filled. That is diffused throughout their being. Diffused throughout their being diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues different languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately so very simply Jesus promises the Holy Spirit they wait they pray they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they receive that power The power, actually, to tell other people about Jesus. Wow, we we like the power gifts, don't we? 
But I've been reminded recently, God's reminded me, Felicity, that's just simply so you can tell people about Jesus. That's what it's there for. I love what John Piper says. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we will receive extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. I love that. Extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. So let's finish by looking at how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the same way that you receive salvation, actually. Ask, believe, receive. Luke eleven nineteen, Jesus says this. Sorry, Luke eleven nine to thirteen. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers? If, you, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Only Troy could do that anyway, let's face it. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Ask, believe, receive. It's that simple. So maybe you're here today and you've never done that. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of like, I don't actually know if I've invited Jesus into my heart. Today is a great day to make that decision. You don't even have to come down to the front at the end of the service, although we are going to open up the front for prayer. You can do it right now in your seat. It's that simple. He wants to come into your heart far more than we even want him to because he loves you. He created you. He has a brilliant plan for your life. Not good, brilliant. But you need him. So I want to finish... Just by looking at one more passage, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 2.9, if the team wanted to join us. Paul writes this, however, this is one of my favourite passages. I say that about every passage, but it really is. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, love this, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So there are things in your future right now that your eyes, your physical eyes have not seen. There are things in your future your ears have never heard. There are things your human logic cannot understand. But they are right there in your future. And guess what? Holy Spirit wants to show you what they are. How cool is that? So I just want to pray with you as we finish up today. I want to ask you these three questions. Are you fully alive to the things of God this morning? Are you fully alive? Are you going through life like, oh my goodness, another day? 
Or are you actually alive to the things of God? He has a brilliant future for you. I don't have to know you all to know that. I know he does. But let's grab hold of that. Let's believe. Let's trust God in that. He's given us so a life. I want to ask you, are you aligned with Jesus? He's the vine. We're a branch. All we really have to do is just stay connected with him. His life's going to flow through you. And then are you alert to Holy Spirit? Are you waiting for him to speak to you? Because he wants to. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to open the eyes of your heart. And all we have to do is ask. That's all we've got to do. Ask, believe and receive. So today, after um, I finish, if you would like some prayer, I'd encourage you to come down the front. Our leaders will be here to pray with you. If you just want to stay in your seat, and get the person you came with to pray with you. That's cool too. His Holy Spirit is at the front of the room. And he's at the back of the room. You don't have to come down the front, but you can if you want. Because we would love to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need a fresh infilling. Holy Spirit is here. Wow, during the worship, I was like, Holy Spirit is here. I can feel him. But even if I couldn't feel him, guess what? He's still here. You don't feel him? That's okay. He's not going anywhere. He's still here. So let me pray for you. And if you want to come down the front, don't linger. Just come. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe because he's here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you for your incredible love for us. We thank you, Lord. We've been celebrating today in communion that you did everything. Everything you were told to do by your Father so that we could have full access into the throne room of God. And so we just still our souls right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you're here. Holy Spirit, will you have your way in every heart, every person here today, every person watching online. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'd have your way. And Lord, I pray for every person perhaps watching online or in this room perhaps who hasn't received Jesus. Lord, we just, um, we thank you that you died to give us life. And we invite you into our hearts today, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done to open the way for us to a relationship with God. We invite you in. We thank you, Jesus. You are our Lord charge of our lives. You're our saviour. You're the only one who could save us. You've set us free. You've forgiven us. You've made us right with God. And we thank you for that today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. We pray a fresh infilling for every one of us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. If you'd like prayer, come down the front. We'd love to pray for you.